Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Greg. My name's Alicia. And we are ready to skin this smoke wagon and get on with another episode of Blood, Fear, and Beer. (laughs) Well said. One of us has a tasty, frosty beer in front of them. We do. One of us does, and that lucky individual is me. What are you sipping on? I am not yet sipped, but I plan to be sipping on a beer from Smog City Brewery. Nice. Which they have this Smog Days IPA series where they've been rotating different hops and stuff. And I've tried a number of their beers on the podcast, and every single one of them has been bangers. Just I, super fresh, right? Yeah, they've yeah. been great. I actually had never, I don't think I've, maybe I've had one of their beers before we started doing this. Yeah. They have consistently performed. Like, that's a strong brewery. Yeah, they have good stuff. They have a bomb coffee porter, too. Oh, I remember that. That was good. Yeah. So this one is called Solar Wind IPA, which is a cool name. I'm all about it. Yeah. And it smells dank. Dank with hops. So I want to smell it when you're done we'll sipping it on it and maybe taste it. How's that treating you? Oh, that'll do fine. Yeah? It smells really good. You know, for an IPA, I don't hate it. It's very fresh. It's got some citrus on the back end. It does, yeah. It's almost... I don't know if my taste buds are just weird, but I almost get a lemony taste. Yeah. Do you get that? Mm-hmm. That's nice. Like on the back end of it. Yeah. I could sip on that. I seem to do well with like the super fresh IPAs. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be as acidic or bitter. Yeah, that the first fresh ones one, are so good. That first one that you had from their smog days or whatever, we just said it and I forgot the name, but from their IPA rotation, it was like really pineapple-y. Remember that one? Yeah. That was amazing. They're all good. Yeah. I, I haven't I had a bad one yet. it's gone forever. <laughs> I kind of like drinking those ephemeral beers, you know? Right. Yeah. Here today, one gone and tomorrow. Done. Enjoy it while you can. I know. Kind of sad, though. I miss them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you find something you like, you just want to stick with it, and then well, it's just, gone. That's just my whole life. Everything I love... Gets discontinued. Just get, yeah, yeah, discontinued. Same. Well, we had kind of a unique opportunity with this movie because I don't think that there are a ton of horror westerns out there. No, no. This was uh, what they would call a a genre bender. Yeah. And you know what? I wasn't sure how this movie was going to pan out, but I feel like this movie was way better than it had any right to be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was not expecting much at all. It was kind of awesome. It was good. I enjoyed yeah. it. Especially if you take it in parts. The actual western part of this was top notch. Solid western. Solid yeah. western. Okay, horror. Yeah. You know what though? We talked about this because unfortunately I had the titular scene, the shocking scene of this movie spoiled for me a while back. Titular? Titular. Yeah. Nice. I <laughs> like you. that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm using that correctly, but if not, <laughs> if not, I promise to throw it in again later in the correct Quick context. Way. Yeah, right. I'll find a way to use it again. Yeah, I had that scene spoiled for me, so I knew that it was coming. So I can't tell if it's because I had it spoiled for me or if I'm just dead inside, but I had little to no reaction to the actual horror parts of this and the brutal, violent parts of it. But I also think that if you and I... Because we almost rented this movie several times when it first came out. Because we haven't seen a ton of westerns. But of the ones we have seen, we've really, really enjoyed them. And we saw this one when we used to rent movies from Redbox so many times available for rent. We're like, oh, we should get that. And for whatever reason, we didn't. I think if we had just picked that up one night and just taken it home and watched it totally blind, 
we would have been completely fucked up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I did not know what the scene was, but this movie has a reputation of being gruesome and horrific. Yeah. Or at least having gruesome and horrific scenes. So I was preparing myself based on that knowledge. Yeah. But had I gone into this, just kind of, especially if it was just cast as an action Western. That's what I thought it was before I heard yeah. the hype about it. I, and I, it's not, uh, it doesn't prepare you for this at all. So it really leads you into a false sense of security. Yeah. Which creates the contrast that magnifies the brutality of that scene. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed that I had it spoiled the way that I did or even had it hyped that it was partly a horror movie. Same. I think yeah, it would have been a really, hell of an experience to I go in blind. I would have enjoyed just being completely blown away by that and yeah. not expecting it. Yeah. For those of you wondering what the hell we're talking about, if you haven't seen this movie, we'll get to it. Yeah. Also, it's, if you haven't seen this movie and you don't know it's fucked up, go watch it before you listen. Yeah. To check it out. It, it's good. It's worth a watch. And if you like Westerns. And if you like Kurt Russell. Everyone and Richard Kurt Jenkins. And Patrick Wilson. It's got a really good cast. cast. It's got most of the people from Fargo, Fargo in it, yeah. which was awesome. Yeah. The show. Good correction. Even better, in my opinion. Whoa. I think the show was better than the movie. <laughs> Whoa. Do you disagree? No. no. <laughs> it's still a bold state. <laughs> Speaking of being dead inside, because I really think we are after this last year, Greg and I last weekend were just like starving for adrenaline and for whatever reason we decided to just sit down on a saturday night and watch hereditary for fun and i was okay yeah i think i think i'm dead inside yeah i think my shit's broken yeah i mean i felt like a twinge when that you know I felt famous nothing. scene happened i felt i felt something but last episode we talked about our top 10 and i was like hereditary is the scariest movie i've ever seen and it was at the time, but now I just, I'm dead inside. I feel nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Great movie, though. Amazing movie. It holds up. Love it. It was better on a second go. Third go. Third go. Yeah, I feel like it gets, as you lose the shock factor, it just becomes a better and better movie every time you watch it. And then you can actually remove yourself emotionally a little bit and look at all the little details and all of the thought and intricacies that went into it. I still love it. But yeah, I was really shocked that it didn't terrify me. No. Hopefully my next pick will. Oh, boy. I've heard things. I'm still chasing that high. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> I need to feel something. <laughs> Just talk it to my veins. Please. <laughs> All right. So since we are covering a Western, I have a kind of ridiculous game that I want to play with you. It's really silly. That doesn't sound like you at all. But I think it'll be fun. Are you ready to play a game with me? I'm ready. Let's have fun. Get into the Western mood? Fun, okay. fun, fun, fun. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you just the title of something, and you have to tell me, is it a Western or is it a soap opera? Oh, sweet. Yeah. It's kind of like a labor of porn. Yeah. Yeah. Which is surprisingly difficult. I would... That's not surprising. I think that would be majorly difficult. It was difficult. very difficult. We played that at your sister's baby it. shower, and we had a hard time. I didn't play it. I wasn't there. I meant like... Myself and your sister. I know what you meant, but I don't know if our audience did, so I'm just letting them... Greg did not participate. Well, I was not invited to the baby show. Oh, you make it sound like we left you out. I'm just... <laughs> That's not how it went I'm down. I'm trying to get the facts right here. That's all. 
Okay, so the reason why I thought of this is I was listening to a podcast the other day, and just in passing, somebody mentioned they were telling a totally unrelated story, and they said the name of something that they were watching. Because we're trying to make a list of new Westerns to watch because we want to get a little bit more into them, right? Because the ones we've seen so far, for the most part, we've really liked. So I heard this title and I was like, oh, I think that's a Western. I'm going to add that to the list. And then I looked it up and it's like the longest running soap opera. Well, I was it? like, oh, shit. Well, That's one of the questions? All right. You'll find out. <laughs> I'll get to it. But for some reason, it's incredibly difficult was to it? tell the difference between Western titles and soap opera titles. Was it The Bald and the Beautiful? No. <laughs> Fuck, that's on there, though. Okay, so the first one, Bold and Beautiful, Western or Soap Opera. You got that one. No. So Okay, Somerset, Western or Soap Opera? <laughs> I'm going to go Soap Opera. It is a Soap Opera from the 70s. Nice one. How about The Young and the Restless? That's definitely a Soap Opera. It is a Soap I thought, okay, that's the one I heard, and I thought for sure that was a Western. I just don't think you well, know much you about have... a Soap Opera. Like, you guys have to I guess My not. mom was super, so Young and the Restless, big time. Well, there's, like, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is a Western, Western. and then there's something else that's, like, the something, the something, and the something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a hard time telling the difference. Okay. You ever heard my mom mention, she uses that in passing all the time. No. The Young and the Restless. No. Like I've about heard of the bold being... and the beautiful though because my grandma watches that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. My mom uses the young and the restless like kids nowadays use extra. Oh, okay. You know. Okay. You know? <laughs> I've never seen yeah. it. My soap opera when I was a teenager was Degrassi. Oh, okay. That's the only soap opera I ever got into. I mean, I didn't watch them, but she did. Yeah. They were always in the background. I watched everybody was the shit everybody. out of Degrassi. Oh yeah. Same. I learned a lot from that show. It was really good. Just about like stuff you go through as a teenager and. All right. What's next? Okay, next one, Blood and Oil. Ooh, I have to go with... So is it Western or... Is it a Western or is it a soap opera? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with Western. Soap opera. Oh! Right? So that one is a tricky one. That's a soap opera that came out in 2015. I don't know what it's 2015. about. 2015? It's a new... There's a ton of soap operas on TV that are relatively new. And Westerns. There's so many Westerns. I didn't know. Do you remember why they're called soap operas? I don't remember. Can you? Do you remember? Kind of. I'm probably going to bastardize it. Where are they called soap operas? Uh, I don't want to fuck it up. You don't want to fuck it up? Hang no, on. I'm probably I, I have to know. I, if I remember correctly, it was something as on the nose as it can be. Like, it makes complete sense. So, I think it was called soap operas because there was... Oh, because they're sponsored by soap manufacturers. They're, yeah, they're sponsored by soap manufacturers. And I forget where the opera comes in. Maybe because it's so dramatic? I think it was maybe something like that. But I, they were like the original soap operas were actually just shows that were made by soap companies that like had their advertisement and their soap in there and they would use it. <laughs> oh my God. And then I forget where the opera part came from, but that's where soap operas came from. That's so weird. I remember I learned that like not too long ago. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's a tricky one. Blood and Oil is a soap opera. Damsel. 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 Just it. Just Western damsel. or soap opera? I gotta go Western. Correct. It is a Western. That one came out in 2018, I think, so it's a newer one. Western? Western, yeah. Movie? Show? Mm-hmm. Movie, yeah. Yeah, some of these that I was looking up looked pretty damn good, so I added them to our list to check out. Cool. Okay. Break Heart Pass. Soap opera that or Western? That sounds super soap opera. Western. Oh. From the 60s. Some of these are really true. Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) I really thought The Young and the Restless was a Western. I got so excited. Well, because there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then 
there's another one that's something like that, and I can't remember it right for now. For a soap opera or a western? For a western. The Quick and the Dead. That's what it is. Oh. So it's like uh, the blank and the blank, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the blankety blank blankers. The blankety blank and the blank blank blanker. Sounds like a western to me. Okay. Last one. The proposition. Western or soap opera? Okay, I cheated because I just saw this. Oh, uh, you saw it? Although, if I'm being honest, I probably would have gone with Western in the first place. I actually want to... I saw that and I kind of want to watch it. Yeah, it looks good, right? It looks good. There's also one that I saw with... I think it came out just a couple years ago and it has Michael Fassbender in it. Love him. Love him. He's great. It was super highly rated and it's an actual Western, not like the cop-out one we tried to watch last weekend. And it's called Slow West. All right. So, no mistake... I feel like it, it lets you know right what you're getting into. Yeah, slow burn. A slow western, which I am a fan of. <laughs> I don't okay. think there's a lot of fast-paced westerns. No. I, I mean, it doesn't, that, it doesn't that, work. It doesn't work, no. It doesn't work. They got to be slow burns. Mm-hmm. To me, westerns are almost like character studies. Yes. In a really cool setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah. I actually looked up... Blood and Oil, that was a good one. That one got me for That sure. one, I, I knew that one was going to be really tricky but i did look up what exactly makes a western a western and there's really no one correct answer but if you're specifically talking about american westerns it's basically just a movie that revolves around a story set in the late 19th century in the american old west that's it and typically they have very similar themes across westerns usually themes of honor sacrifice and those themes are often emphasized by a very stoic hero. My jam. Yeah. It's really not the type of thing that I would imagine myself being into, but so far from the few I've seen, I really enjoy a good Western. So I don't count that thing that we watched last week, which I'm not even going to bother to mention. Yeah, we watched a really shitty movie. I don't that, count that as yeah. a Western at all. No. Well, it was so, set in modern times, and there was nothing about it that reminded me of a Western. No, other than the fact that it took place in Texas. Like, yeah. That was it. That's it. So, taking that off the table, because it doesn't count anyways, pretty much every Western that I have seen, which is admittedly mainly more modern Western, they have all been awesome. I think that this is one of the very few genres where remakes are often better than the originals. Yeah. I, I feel like these... And more modern, updated versions. Westerns date faster than some other movies. Yeah. Yeah. For reasons ways. that we'll get into, I'm sure. But just to name a couple, what are some of your favorites? Favorite Westerns? Yeah. Well, obviously, Tombstone. Yeah. Number, down, number, number one, one, for sure. Yeah. 310 to Yuma. That movie, Tombstone is my favorite, for sure. 310 to Yuma is a very close second. And this is the one with Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. I seriously never get tired of watching that movie. It's one of those things where I almost feel it's like music to me. Like I can just yeah. have it in the background and it's just very calming and soothing and I really like it. I do too. It's so good and heartbreaking. Yeah. It just, it gets me every time. It's so good. And it's exciting and it's just the characters are so compelling. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's one of my favorite roles of Christian Bale's, honestly. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I can see that. It's one of my favorite roles of uh, Russell Crowe, so. Yeah, I guess so. I can't really think of a lot of other things that I know him from that I... Crowe? That, like, stuck out to me. Gladiator? Yeah. I <laughs> Gladiator, it was okay. <laughs> Gladiator's fine. It was a fun fine. time piece. Yeah, it was, good. it was good once, you know? It was we watched fun. it more than once. Did we? Mm. God, I don't remember shit. <laughs> what else? With was Christian? Fun. Or no, with uh, Russell? Westerns? Yeah, what other Westerns do you like? Are we counting Westworld? 
I think so, right? At, at least, least the first season. Yeah, and at the very least the, the first season. <laughs> and half the season too, right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Deadwood. Deadwood was awesome. Love that. There's also, do you remember that show we watched on Netflix? It was a limited series called Godless. Oh, that was good. That yeah, was that super, was good. super good. I recommend that one. Can't forget True Grit. Oh, shit. True Coen Grit. Brothers. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's Great. a good one. A remake, yeah. That's good shit, man. I really want to see more, though. I haven't seen that many. Well, that's the thing. When we started talking about this, I was like, man, I love Western. And then it was like, I think I've like, seen, I? Like, <laughs> like, I like, seen four, but they were all just really good. I think I do. I've seen them all, you know, <laughs> ten times over. I just, I love gritty movies. I love slow burns. I love fucking bones. Like, what's not to love? Yeah. I love the, um, just that frontier pioneer spirit and survivalism aspect of just the brutality of trying to survive yeah and just that that grit yeah that's involved with surviving and being in those kind of conditions and surviving but also taking that morality with you and have it be about because obviously it's known for being a time when just horrible shit happened people were killing each other left and right women were being raped left and right You know, obviously there was the massacre of native people of the land. So there's a lot of bad shit going on, a lot of bad people. So the idea of having somebody that was having to live in that environment, but not let it take them down, like where they still have moral ground. Am I making making sense? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And in this movie in particular, I honestly, before watching it and knowing what it was about, I kind of had my reservations about it. And I was a little bit nervous because this movie was made in 2015. And it's the, you know, quote unquote, cowboys versus Indians type of thing, it seemed like. And I was honestly pleasantly surprised with how they handled that subject matter and that storyline. I think that it's definitely not perfect. But I feel like they really tried. And I was just very pleasantly surprised with how this movie turned out. Same. The more I thought about it afterwards, I actually kind of let him off a little bit more too. Because, yeah. you know, he was trying to make essentially a, a an unknown boogeyman or, a, you know, just the ambiguous boogeyman. Yeah. Or boogeyman, if you will. And I don't think there was a lot of forethought that went into this movie as far as the bad guys go. Right. I don't think there was a lot of symbolism involved. I think it was just really like... You know what's really fucking scary? A bunch of humans that are cannibalistic maniacs. Yeah. And how are we going to portray them? And then they kind of had to build around that and and make it work You're going to make it a Western, so it has to be a certain thing. But they did everything that they could to make this its own standalone thing and even have characters actively spoon feeds you like no this is not the native indians yeah because we know we are not (laughs) not, yeah (laughs) these aren't my people these aren't our people these aren't not only that and you have characters in this movie who are incredibly racist and refer to all native americans as quote-unquote savages they refer to them as indians they generalize but it's not unchecked racism like you have kurt russell's character of franklin hunt consistently challenging it and calling it out right very much appreciated. All the way through, which yeah. is awesome. So before we do a deep dive into the movie, which is Bone Tomahawk, I don't know if we mentioned that yet. This was a directorial debut too. I saw that. Nicely done. So by... We need to have our debut. We do. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> for the we, have a... we have an idea. We have an ongoing script going on in our head. <laughs> it's working and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. 
We will Stand give, by. We will give no <laughs> hints. So what is this movie about? It's pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, I saw a good synopsis on uh, IMBD, which I should have written down, but I didn't. So <laughs> essentially, you have a couple of bandits that mistakenly go into unknown territory that and disgrace land that belongs to this indigenous tribe of people, which we later find out are cave dwellers. Yeah. We refer right. to them as troglodytes, right? Troglodytes, which yeah. is, you know, a, a real word which refers to... People who live in caves. Right. So they venture onto this land mistakenly, desecrate it, and then, you know, giddy on up and get out of town and go to this nice little cute town... Which I forget what it's called right now. Somerville or something. Something nice. Something nice. Something that emphasizes how nice it is. Yeah. Next thing you know, these people come back for some revenge, kidnap some locals, including the pretty young wife of a cowboy. And Patrick Wilson. And when I say cowboy, I mean an actual cowboy. Yeah, he's an actual cowboy. Yeah, Yeah, like that's his job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just want to clarify that. And uh, so then it turns into a search and rescue mission. And that's 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 the synopsis. Yeah. Pretty simple. So we have, of course, the amazing Kurt Russell, who I, I just wish he was in every Western. He's in most of the good ones. Yeah. And he played such a different character in this movie, and I loved it. He was the chillest Western sheriff you've ever seen in your life. He was safety first Kurt Russell. <laughs> I loved first, him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, my first man. And <laughs> he was so good. Oh, and the two guys at the beginning, by the way, just got to throw this out there. I was pleased to see were played by Sid Haig and David Arquette, yeah. which was fun. Super fun. Yeah, super fun. And apparently... Love Sid Haig. I read like a quick little fun fact that apparently this is the second cannibalistic Western that David Arquette has appeared in, and the first one is Ravenous, which I've heard was good. Hmm. It's from 1999. It's another cannibal Western. Another cannibal Western? Yeah. I think it I takes, was yeah. laughing because while I was researching this, there's the... Almost every single movie we do, you will find a site that says, like, 10 things you didn't know about Black Coast Daughter or whatever. And so they have one for this. And it was the most boring facts of any movie that we've encountered so really? far. Really? Yes. They were both the most mundane facts of almost every movie oh we've God. done so far. Which I, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. It was just really funny. It was the unknown fact were it was, like, shot in 21 days, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, shit. Which is super quick, you know? Yeah. I mean, so that, that is interesting, but it's still kind of like a bland fact. Like they're reaching for something to put on IMDb. And that was one of the more, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't even IMDb, DM, or MD, whatever. <laughs> IMDb. 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 I'm not DB. <laughs> and then it was shit like that, where it was like, this was his second role like that, or Kurt Russell and David Arquette acted together, and like, just the most mundane, stupid yeah. shit that really didn't have anything to do with the movie itself. It was just movie adjacent right i briefly researched this a couple days after we watched it and i gave up because i couldn't really find any i saw a couple of those and i was like this isn't interesting i think the movie itself is way more interesting to talk about so i'm just gonna stick with that nothing to really look at but i was trying to find if there was anything the writer had tried to convey no he just no (laughs) he just wanted to do some horrific shit maybe he was just super traumatized by the last 20 minutes and he couldn't the writer? Think, yeah. No, I'm just wondering, like, did he have an intent with this movie or was there a message behind it? Oh, I mean, if there was an intent with the actual movie or a message attached to it, my guess would be 
just a portrait of fear and anxieties about the unknown during that time. But otherwise, I think it's just a solid Western with a really fucked up twist. Yeah. I mean, anything yeah. you can read into all you yeah. want. My impression is that there's nothing to read to in this movie. It's, as you just said, solid Western horrific shit. I do think that the character development was excellent. And in particular, I was watching this movie as just a movie about Kurt Russell's character, Franklin Hunt. And we'll get into this too. I I didn't love the ending of this. I kind of wanted it to go a different way. But I feel like the way it ended emphasizes his journey in this movie and was a testament to his character and who he was. Oh, absolutely. So I, I really enjoyed his character in this. So Kurt Russell plays Franklin Hunt, the sheriff of this little town. And I loved him right away when I think it was Chicory is his name, played by Richard Jenkins, who I love so fucking much. You're so good in this. <laughs> He's so good in everything. He's just a treasure. <laughs> You're just great comic relief he's so always Always. he's so good (laughs) so thinking about i know he's just delightful so he walks in and he's like the corn chatter he's like i'm hungry i haven't eaten all day and then you find out that this guy is supposed to be like the backup deputy or something and he's really old and just doesn't know emaciated kind of yeah real weak looking yeah yeah it doesn't seem to know which way is up what's going on but Sheriff Hunt welcomes him so graciously and like sits him down, happily shares his food with him. And then he starts telling him, this is how we find out he's a backup deputy. You know, it's really important that you eat three meals a day. You need your strength. You need to take care of yourself. I was like, shit, that's not something you usually hear in a Western from a sheriff. Take care of yourself. What? (laughs) We don't do that. We drink all day and shoot each other. (laughs) But there are so many great quotable lines in this movie. And one of them was that scene with the corn chowder when Chicory was like, smells like corn. And then Franklin says something like, it's corn chowder. And then he's like, oh, things are lining up. Yep. <laughs> I love that. Things are lining up around here. <laughs> and then there was a, the beginning of the movie. It was kind of a brutal beginning with those two who disturbed the, yeah. the two travelers who disturbed the site. And then they hear that really haunting whistling sound. And one of them's like, it's a gust. And he's like, well, if it's a gust, it learned an instrument. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing I love about Westerns. I love the dialogue. Yeah, the dialogue in this was so good. Really solid. And I loved the name of the tavern. Oh, yeah. What was it? The Learned Goat. The Learned Goat. That's such a great name for I a tavern. I want to go to a bar called The Learned Goat. I know. Goat. We need that. Yeah. We need to move to a little mountain town and open up The, the Learned, Learned Goat. Goat. But yeah, I thought the character development was just so solid in this. And you get to spend a little bit of one-on-one time with just about everybody. So you meet Sheriff Hunt and I'm going to like alternate between Franklin and Hunt, but it's Kurt Russell and Chicory. And then you meet Patrick Wilson's character, Mr. O'Dwyer, Arthur Arthur O'Dwyer and his wife, Samantha. And Arthur was apparently supposed to start a job as a foreman, which he's been trying to get for years. And he had tried to repair their roof or something and fell off. And he didn't just break his leg. Like, he destroyed his leg, basically. And he's down for the count. He's super depressed about it. And you kind of just get a little insight into their relationship. Like, before he was offered this job as a foreman, he was required to be away so much for work that it almost seems like he and his wife are kind of having to get to know each other all over again. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and kind of start courting each other again. And I really liked her character and their relationship. Yeah, as far as... Both of them. You know, that's kind of a a given with most Westerns. 
an exception being the limited series that we talked about. Oh, Godless. Godless, yeah, right? Not, so, not very great female characters, right? Yeah. yeah, it's kind of just the times, right? Yeah. You know, like you're not... It's a timepiece and women's roles were shit. Yeah, we didn't get to do jack you shit. You didn't get to do shit. I don't really blame a lot of Westerns, you know, because it wouldn't necessarily be characteristic of the time. So that being said, I did like what they did with her character. Yeah. And A, they did take time to introduce a female character and make her have a personality and their whole kind of back and forth was fun to watch. I, I liked what they had going on. And I also liked that they made her somebody of, of respect within the town. Yeah. At first I thought that she was a doctor because she knew how to perform surgeries and do medical procedures. But it seems like I, you know, I don't know what the deal with is with that because her husband's not a doctor. And I got kind of confused. It sounded like they sent for her husband, but they got her. So I'm wondering if he... No, they sent for her. They did send for her? Yeah. Okay, because I thought when she walked in, they said, oh, it's Mrs. O'Dwyer. And he's like, oh, okay, do you have the supplies or whatever? I almost think that Arthur had done medical stuff on his outings. I got the impression. I don't think so. Yeah. She was everything that he was doing. He was like doing wrong and she was having to correct him. Okay, yeah, so she had medical expertise. And equipment. And, yeah, yeah, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. You don't see that a lot. No. Gives them the what for later, too. Yeah. Even though this is, I'd say this is just over a two-hour movie, and it's kind of a slow burn western, it moves along at a pretty breezy pace. It does. I was, when I saw that timestamp of it, you know, two hours ahead of us, I was already kind of shaking my head. You're like, thinking Fuck. too fucking long. <laughs> yeah. But it does go along pretty well, and I did not find myself at any point, you know, looking at the clock or anything, you know. It, yeah. it went along well enough, and I had no major problems. I think maybe on a rewatch, it might seem a bit long, but on a, on a first go, it flowed. Definitely. I think that the, the cinematography, the character development, the dialogue really moved it along nicely. And I think it wasn't until maybe 30 or 40 minutes in where they actually go on the rescue mission because we've spent so much time with these characters. And there's one that we meet very briefly. I think his name was, they just call him Nick or Deputy Nick or something. And he was supposed to stay with Samantha and escort her home when she was done with the surgery. That was a great scene, too, what led up to that, because it was David Arquette's character who, like, wandered into the the Learned Goat bar, and he was causing trouble, and then (laughs) Sheriff Hunt shot him. (laughs) I love he just, like, starts bailing, and he just shoots him in the fucking leg. Yeah, shoots him in the leg, and he's like, can you, like, fix this, take care of it? Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so about 30 or 40 minutes in, we see there's a young stable boy who gets attacked. The animals are killed. It's a brutal bloody aftermath that they stumble upon and they find i think it was an arrow yeah and a lot of the townsfolk's first reaction oh it's the indians they say and hunt's reaction is a little bit more hesitant so he decides to call in somebody that they refer to as the professor played by zach mclarnon who was in fargo he played a prominent role in fargo and my memory is terrible I can't he was, uh, was right it now. season two? Season two, yeah. So in season two, he was Dodd. You remember Dodd? Yeah. So he was like Dodd's right-hand man. Yeah, and he was so good in that show. Such an interesting character. Oh, yeah. So he was also in Westworld. Mm-hmm. He was good in that, yeah. too. Yeah, and like Dr. Him. Sleep. He's fucking good. Isn't Dr. Sleep? Yeah. He was one of the... Oh, that's um, right, yeah. When you said Dr. Sleep, I was thinking of Dr. Strange, and I was like... I oh, no, no, Dr. Sleep, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's really good though. And so they refer to him as the professor. I don't know why, but basically he comes in and he, you can tell he's kind of irritated that he's being, you know, asked to speak for all Native Americans right. in the entire <laughs> region. He's like, okay, obviously there are a shit ton of different tribes, but no, this does not belong to any of my people. This comes from the troglodytes. They're not. We have nothing to do with these people. Yeah. He's like, those people, like, every one yeah. of us, we all know they're fucking assholes. Yeah. Like, they're not us. And then you get Bruder, who comes in, who's going to go on this quest with them. And he volunteered to go with them, I think, because he was involved in the well, whole... Well, he, he volunteers because he is the one who was solicited to go gain the services of Arthur's wife. That's right. Yeah. And so they're all about to bail. And it's at this point when they're, it's all, it's the sheriff and you have Arthur and that's the posse. Yeah. And Chicory, who's like, you know, 80 years old. Like an old man, right? (laughs) So it's not looking good. It's not, it's not a strong. You need a sharpshooter. You need a sharpshooter. You need a young whippersnapper that can be moving around. And so they're about to bail out and he jumps on and it's like, I'm volunteering. Yeah. And they're arguing about it. And he's like, I'm the one who fucking solicited your wife. I'm going. So, and he's kind of a complex character. I liked him. For for his role, I I really. that guy. (laughs) I I like the complexity of him though, because he. And it's kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of, like, what's neat about Westerns. Yeah. So he is on this, like, line in between the two sides. So you have this guy who is, you know, courageous and virtuous and is willing to stand up and willing to put his life on the line for these virtuous aspects of, like, you know what? Your wife's out there. She got kidnapped. Like, he really had nothing to do with that. Yeah. But, you know, he felt obligated to go on this quest. This quest that, again, even with him there, there's really only one able-bodied person, and that's the sheriff. And they're going into what seems like almost certain death. That's a very generous picture of Bruder, I think. Well, I, that's yeah. the good part of him. Yeah, because right? I, I mean, I saw it as... And that's you're probably right. I think that he is more complex than I probably give him credit for. I just saw it as he is aggressively racist and wants to kill Native Americans as many as he can. And he says as much, but I also think that because he did offer to go with them and to help them on this rescue mission because he's involved, but then he turns around, makes a 180, and he's like super resentful about it later on, about helping them and being there. And Well, I think he yeah. does that after his horse is killed and he's been shot because they were too trusting. I guess, And didn't yeah. follow his advice. I had very little sympathy for his character, but I do think that it made for a very good foil for Franklin. I feel like all of their personalities really clashed in a way that constantly threatened their mission, and it made Absolutely. it really tense and really interesting. No, I, th- I, I think I, I think you might be giving Bruder this right into the stick. I didn't like Bruder. <laughs> I do think he was an important character, and he had an, he had an interesting journey. I also think it was interesting how you have Bruder who is so outwardly and aggressively racist. And, you know, when he walks into that bar, he says something like, I've killed more Indians than everyone here. And then the professor character is like, that's an ugly boast. Yeah. And Franklin is constantly trying to shut that shit down too. And then you have Chicory, who's this sweet old man who also says messed up racist shit, but he's kind of on the other end of the spectrum where it's like the quote unquote benevolent racism, but Franklin still calls it out. Right. Which I really liked. I I think you have kind of the whole spectrum here, and I think that's really important. And I think that the movie wouldn't be the same without Bruder in it for me to hate. Like you got to have that, and you also again, I don't think it's they did a good job with having 
Hunt or somebody in the cast call people out. Yeah. But at the same time, that was what the mentality was of a lot of fucking people. So to completely negate that would be to like whitewash history. Oh, no, I totally agree. I think his character was important. All I'm saying is I thought he was a dick and I didn't like him. But I, I'm glad he was in the movie because he really escalated that tension and that constant threat to what they're trying to do. On top of having O'Dwyer, who's injured and angry about it, and then Chicory, who just can't do a whole lot. Definitely. I, I, well, I just kind of keep one more thing. You're not going to convince me to like I know, him, I'm but go ahead. I'm not trying to, but I have to. It kind of reminds me of, you know, when you're in a situation where you have somebody, let's say you're in a survival situation, mm-hmm. right? And you need to eat. And you don't feel comfortable killing a rabbit or a deer, right? And everybody else is all, like, just not comfortable with it. But you have somebody in the group that is a hunter. And they understand and have killed before. And understand this is a life or death situation. And we need to fucking kill this thing to survive. Bruder is that character. Where, like, he is ready and willing to kill that deer. I'm not talking about Native Americans in this situation. My point is that he is understanding of that world, of being in that survival world. And so the situation in which basically his life at that point on is doomed to end is when they are confronted by bandits in the middle of the night that come wearing sheep's clothing. And he understands what it is in a heartbeat. But these people are fucking naive and looking like, oh, you're hungry? You need help? Like, come on into camp. No problem. Yeah, and he immediately smokes And he immediately him. fucking kills him. Yeah. He knows exactly what it is. If I... It just... It reminds me of this... Um, I, it's so weird because I was just thinking about this story that I'm about to tell you today on a completely different context. Like, literally today I was just thinking about it. But it reminded me of the story of my um, grandfather was in... I think it was in New York or something like that. And he was... He traveled a lot for the business that he did or for the type of work that he did. And he also was often kind of involved with like high end managers of certain plants and stuff like that. So when he would go to these facilities, he would often spend time with the like CEO of that particular or the the manager of that particular plant or something like that. And they would take him out or he would take them out and, you know, they'd go to nice dinners and shit like that. So in this situation, he's driving this guy around who's native of that area or familiar with that area. And they're driving a very nice car and they're about to go and they're dressed up nice. Like they look like they have money and they, my grandpa's just driving along and he's driving this guy's car. And all of a sudden he gets rear-ended hard and he starts to pull over and the guy goes, do not fucking stop. Put your foot on that pedal. Do not stop no matter what. If there's a red light, keep going. Oh, shit. And my grandpa's just like, okay. He starts going. And he's like, guides him off. And he like, tells him where to turn and stuff like that. And he's like, it's an ongoing thing where it's these criminals that are going around causing accidents. They get people to pull over and then they rob them and possibly kill them. Oh, shit. And it reminds me of that. Where most people in that circumstance would pull over. You're yeah. taking advantage of normal behavior, yeah. n- normal human circumstances, right? Or um, situations. But that's not the situation. And Bruder is that guy who's like, this is not a normal collision. This is not a normal approach. Like, you don't just have people approach you in the middle of the night, in the middle of the fucking desert, in the middle of the nowhere, yeah. just to come make friends. doesn't fucking happen. So that's all I'm saying about Bruder. I totally agree. He's a dick, but I totally agree. I think that 
I mean, I'm just, I'm going in circles now, but I do think he was an interesting character and this, the story needed him to move forward in the way it did and to set things in motion that couldn't be undone. I also, one of my favorite lines in this was after, in retaliation, I think the group that those two men that he shot were with ambushed them, took his horse, and then his horse was killed in the crossfire. And he said like some kind of racial slur, like, oh, she wouldn't want to whatever on her back. And then (laughs) Franklin was like, what, did you train her in bigotry? (laughs) (laughs) Some good lines. There's some really good lines. Okay, so that's a character study of Bruder. I think I want to go back to Sheriff Franklin a little bit because I really feel like this movie is about him. And we really get a good look at who this guy is in the first scene that we see with him and Chicory interacting. And even before they go on this mission, he is very hesitant about letting Arthur O'Dwyer come along. But he also understands, like, obviously his wife has been kidnapped. He has to come with us. He's not going to take no for an answer. But his leg is completely destroyed. So he just hammers this home before they leave. You have to take care of yourself. You have to make sure to eat. I think he also makes a point to say, like, you understand that this basically time is of the essence. And yeah. if some shit goes down, we got to keep going. Yeah. And then he says something like, pain is your body's way of talking to you and you do well to listen to it. That's another huge point of tension in this movie is O'Dwyer's leg and his deteriorating health. And there are so many times where, you know, they're walking over super uneven, rocky terrain. And I kept thinking throughout this, like it made me so nervous that they're sleeping at night when they're so vulnerable instead of traveling at night. But there's no way that Arthur could travel at night with that leg on that terrain. But there are so many times where he stumbles or falls in a hole or steps on a rock and you just hear the most horrific crunching sound of like his brace snapping. Yeah. Not his leg, but his brace snapping, which obviously irritates his leg. And this seems like it was such a bad fracture that it needed surgery because he has a huge wound with stitches on that leg. And there is a point where it gets super super infected and chicory who has medical experience says there is no way that he's gonna live if we don't take his leg right now yeah well there's a point where he actually does have like the brace it gives and his leg snaps again yeah and you see like bone and shit yeah it's bad chicory he was apparently a a medic in in the war or something like that yeah and so you know arthur asks him to set it because they're ready to amputate he's like i can set it but this thing's fucking affected, dude. So yeah. he goes and then and sets it again. Ugh. And, you know, Arthur's like adamant, like, you are not taking my motherfucking leg. Which I have to say, I get. Yeah. Especially if you're on the fucking run trying to find your wife. Like, let yeah. me hobble on this dead piece of meat for another day until yeah. I can at least fight. But it's at that point where they have to basically say, like, you're on your own then. You're yeah. going to be knocked out. We're giving you some opium. And yeah, they give him a tincture, they call it. Yeah. Which I thought was cute. Yeah. <laughs> a tincture, tincture. A tincture of opium. A tincture of opium. <laughs> but they give him, you know, a spoonful of opium and set his leg, and they're like, you're going to be out. We'll leave, you know, and they've already, he'd already been kind of slowing him down, anyways, or they, they've been ahead of him where they've been like leaving him signs of where they were headed by like leaving rocks on the ground and a pattern or something like that. And they're like, we'll continue to do that, but we're going. Yeah, I thought it was really considerate of them to be, especially Sheriff Franklin. He was very dedicated to making sure that he did mark the trail for O'Dwyer, no matter how much danger they were in or how 
much time was not on their side. He made sure to do that for right. him. And he, I think probably Bruder brought it up at one point, like, we don't have time for this. And he said, I promised. Yeah. And that comes up a lot for him is I promised or I gave my word or I said I would do this. I said it would be this way. And he damn well makes sure that Everything it's followed can. through. Yeah. yeah. There was even a little moment when he was leaving the jail to start the rescue mission and a chair had been knocked over and he takes the time to stop and pick up the chair and put it back how it was, Hmm. which I thought was interesting. It stuck out to me. Yeah. He's very methodical, very particular, very logical, but he's also extremely caring and compassionate. Yeah. And I, as you said, he's definitely the character (laughs) of this film. Another thing I noticed about him and the way that the characters interact with him is that and this happens so often in life. People mistake methodicalness and thoughtfulness and being careful and also being kind with being weak and stupid. Yeah. And he is referred to like when things kind of come to a, there's certain points where, like you said, there's this tension between the group and, you know, some shit flies, right? Things are said. And he's called out for being like a coward and not acting quick enough and not you know, acting rash enough and basically not being like guns a swinging. And even then he's measured. And there's a point too, where he says something along the lines of, cause Bruder's talking about going in guns a blazing. And he was like, before they even know what's going on or what they're dealing with, like at the beginning, he's like, this is a search and rescue, not a massacre. Yeah. We're not here to just kill people. Let's see what we're dealing with. Maybe try to talk to whoever this is. And then obviously things completely go to hell, but He's very, very particular about how things should be done and is always thinking about the long game. Yeah. Mad respect. Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> so Long game is my middle name. <laughs> anyone who's seen this movie knows that things take a very dark turn within like the last half an hour. And I just, again, I wish I could have seen this completely blind because that would have been a hell of a shock. Oh, yeah. And it was once they got into that territory of these troglodytes these people and the arrows start flying that shit was intense oh yeah and like you said there's this high-pitched whistle sound that they use to communicate and you don't know what it is and it's a very terrifying sound it's like this otherworldly wailing sound that just reverberates through this landscape yeah it's like this yeah otherworldly is great yeah surreal sounding Spooky wind. Really spooky. And then you find out that because one of them gets killed and has their throat ripped out. <laughs> well, no, I think Arthur oh, he has knew. the foresight or like realizes what they were doing or he saw Oh, because he saw one of them do it. Just yeah. like using, it was like coming from their mouth. And so I think he just instinctively realized there had to have been something in his throat. Yeah. So they like install this whistle type thing. It looks like it's made out of carved bone into their throats and they communicate making this horrifying whistling sound. Yeah. I feel like whistling doesn't really capture it. It's like wailing or bellowing or something. It's really creepy. Really good. That was one of my favorite aspects of the, the last 30 minutes or so was that sound. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was really good. It really puts on the tension. And poor Bruder, like, they come into the territory and everyone... He gets hit immediately. And, like, he's going to go in and be like, I'm going to go check this out. I'm going to come through this little cave here. And if everything's okay, I'm going to throw some rocks back. If I don't come back in 60 seconds, get the fuck out of here. And, you know, he starts to come back. And then they... It's basically just Bruder and Sheriff Hunt and Chicory. Because Arthur's passed out with 
a little tensure of opium and his leg getting set again. And so they come into the bush and that's when the arrows start flying and they're shooting and it's just like super fucking chaotic. And there's a point where Bruder's like reloading or something like that. And just out of nowhere, this big ass troglodyte comes, you know, coming through like a, a quarterback <laughs> <laughs> and just... You just hear like this flack sound and it happens so fast you don't even realize that his hand's been clean chopped off. Oh my god, I forgot about that shit. Right. I actually remember it took me a long time yeah. to notice it. I was know, like, what like, happened? You just hear a thwack and blood and there's arrows and shit and then you realize that as he's like trying to reload his gun that his hand's 10 feet away. Yeah, his hand's Fuck. on the ground way in the oh back. Oh my god. And so he's like, he realizes he's dead. Like, right. I'm not getting out of this thing. And he's says, give me the fucking dynamite that we brought. I'm going to kill as many as I can. And once they get closer, I'm going to blow them all up. Yeah. And he's like, you two get the fuck out of here. Try to go around back or something. And then Sheriff Hunt says, and this is Kurt Russell's character. I, I keep, I feel like I keep going back and forth between Franklin and Hunt. Kurt Russell from here on out. Kurt Russell says something like, I promise I will make sure that this isn't all for nothing. Yeah. I promise. And then Bruder, I think he takes down one and then he immediately gets killed. Well, no. He was able to blow him up. Was he? Yeah. Okay. I thought he killed one. and then He killed one with a gun, and then I think one or two more came and he okay. blew him up. Okay. I missed that. I thought he just killed one. There was a lot. It's There's a lot that happened. It's such a slow time. burn for like the first hour and a half, and then it just hits the fucking gas yeah. and goes crazy. This is like where you it switches gears into This is full-blown horror, horror movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. So then... They get captured. The remaining survivors get captured. And Arthur is still way back trying to make his way there. We don't know what happened. Yeah. Like, as far as we know, he could be dead. Yeah, he keeps passing out. He's in really bad shape. He's super delirious from the opium. We don't know if he's going to make it or yeah. not. And Chicory and Hunt get captured by these troglodytes, brought into this cave. And then they, there they see Samantha and Nick. And then we have the famous scene that everybody remembers from this movie that traumatized everyone who watched it. Yeah. And I think at this point, is it Samantha? Yeah. yeah. She has already seen what they do. Yeah. And right? I, I really liked how they emphasized how horrific this is and how traumatizing it is because the first thing they say to her is, are you hurt? And she just says, I'm alive. Yeah. That's it. And she's just fucked. Right. And I'm not sure where to place this part of the information, but I just wanted to like throw it out there because at this point, I think it's pretty clear that they're cannibals, but if it's not, it is very soon. Yeah. And you come to realize, I guess, is that the only reason why they are keeping them alive is basically because there's no refrigeration. Oh, God. And so they're, they've realized think about that. that they're keeping people prisoners just to keep food around longer. So I thought for, I don't know why I thought this because it didn't say when I had it spoiled for me, but when this particular scene happens, I thought that it was going to be chicory that it happened to. I think I was so relieved that it wasn't, that it also kind of numbed it for me a little bit because I was expecting it to be him for whatever reason. I think it was a kindness on the part of the writer and the director. For not taking one of them. Because one of the things that, and I read, you know, a review of this movie or someone's thing and they brought something to my attention that I thought was a, a good observation. And that was that part of the directing style is that as the movie goes along, the shots get closer and closer in on the characters and their faces and their actions. Oh, yeah, you're so right. So you actually become, like, you feel more intimate and you've just spent the last, like, there's that half hour plus buildup of going on this journey. Yeah. And then the journey itself is like a solid hour where you've been seriously invested with these characters. Yeah. So once you get to that part 
had they done that to one of these characters, it would have been... A dick move. A pretty dick move. I feel like that would have been just for shock value if I they agree. had done that just to upset you. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad that they didn't do that. But do you mind if I talk about it a little bit? So if in case there's anybody listening who hasn't seen this movie, we're about to talk about some really gruesome shit. So Nick, Sheriff Nick is in there with some. He's a young whopper snapper. Yeah, he's super he's young. He's probably 20-something. Yeah. Young 20s. Tops. If that. They drag him out and Samantha's freaking out because she knows what's going to happen. And... They kneel him down on the ground. They don't speak. They don't communicate. They just do their thing. Well, they like grunt and shit. Yeah. And they rip off his clothes, strip him naked. And this whole time, this is what really hit me with this scene, is the look on Kurt Russell's face. He's so shocked and so horrified and sad. But then he kind of composes himself and looks Nick in the eye and tells him, look at me, look at me, keep looking at me. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Like making sure that he's comforted before he dies. While he's dying. While he's dying. So it happens so fast. You're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, you have no time to prepare for this. There's no time. So while Kurt Russell is talking to Nick and trying to comfort him, they take the titular bone tomahawk. There it is. Titular. Which, as this scene is happening, I'm like, oh, that must be the bone tomahawk. It looks super badass. It's like a sharpened jawbone of an animal. So they scalp Nick brutally. They show the entire thing And as if that's not bad enough, because he's screaming, he's bleeding, Kurt Russell looks like he's about to pass out. They then take his entire scalp and stuff it in his mouth. And then they take a steak, like a wooden steak, and stuff that in his mouth. And then they hammer it in, right? As if that's not bad enough. Then they flip this naked man upside down. So his brain's on the ground. Yeah, his brain's on the ground. Spread his legs. He's still alive. And then they split him from taint... To nose. Yeah, with the, the last bone part is the two guys just... It's like, it's worse to talk about it than it was to watch, I'm honestly. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> fuck. Wow. The effects of this were impressive. I didn't realize we were going to get that deep in I know, I just want to make sure, like, anybody who hasn't seen this and wants it spoiled for them, that's what fucking happens. Sweet that's dreams. The scene. Actually, speaking of that, even though I didn't feel super affected by it when I was watching it, that kept popping into my head all night that night. And I was like, no, I I don't want that. I was okay during, but I I kept on hearing that first flag (laughs) right in the butt. I think the worst part for me was the pregnant woman. That was fucking nightmare fuel. So they, when they're asking Samantha how many more are there, she says there's... Two women who are blinded, crippled, and pregnant. Yeah. And you're like, that sounds upsetting. And then as they're leaving later on, they see these two women who have had their arms and legs cut off. They're like nine months pregnant and they have stakes driven into their eyes. Yeah. Nightmare fuel. That was a horrifying image. Yeah. There's some gnarly shit. Oh, and then there's the flask wound thing. That, to me, is almost worse. Yeah. So they take... They have this flask that's been sitting in the hot coals. Well, there's a reason why they do this, though. It's retaliation. So, yeah. Kurt Russell Hunt. We're going with Kurt Russell at this point? I think so. Okay. Yeah. So, Kurt Russell realizes, like, <laughs> we're not getting out of this fucking thing. Yeah. And the only hope that they have is they filled the tincture. I'm sorry. They filled the flask with the tincture of opium. Oh, that's right. right. That's right. And yeah. so, he thinks, like... Maybe if we just... We'll poison them. We'll poison them. Yeah. And if we get these guys to pass out, we can try to break out of here. 
And uh, again, it kind of goes to the testament that these are supposed to be almost otherworldly beings, right? Because they, we saw Arthur, you know, take just a little teaspoon of this shit and he got knocked out for like half a day. Right. And he's, you know, he's a big dude. And so these guys just start guzzling opium. All, like there's like three of them that just finish off the flask and then go about their business. And they're fine. And you would expect, like Hunt <laughs> expects them to just pass out. Yeah, like, just immediately. die. And, but they don't. But they do obviously get sick or something. And that's why later on, you know, the dude puts that thing in the fire. We don't know why. But come to find out it was because he was going to shove it into Kurt Russell's open abdomen. Yeah, so they slice his abdomen open. With the bone tomahawk. Yeah, with the bone tomahawk, which again looks super badass. Yeah. And then shove the hot burning flask into his belly wound. Right. It's it's fucked. Pretty fucked up. <laughs> that one hurts to think that, about. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. And still, he's so determined to get them out of there. And finally, Arthur makes it and he starts taking them out. And then he, this was so such a cringe moment for me when he takes out one of them and then he takes out the whistle from their throat and it's just covered in blood and goo. And then he puts it in his mouth. He tries to wipe it off, but he puts it in his mouth to blow on it to lure another one that he then kills, which was really smart, but... Yeah, because he realizes that they're actually using it is mainly used as like a help call. Yeah. Every time they get in a fight, you hear this whistling shit go on and then more come. It's like a call for backup. It's like, come here. Come here. Come here. <laughs> so Thank you. Yeah. Come here. So Arthur makes it. Samantha is shocked to see him because... Well, she's also kind of... She was mad to find out that they had... That Arthur was on the uh, journey. Yeah. But they're like, like, you, really, you really think that yeah. he was going to stay home and not come look for you? But Franklin at this point is like, awesome. Arthur can help get your wife and Chicory out of here. And there's maybe three left. We've killed this many. Arthur killed this many. His concern was that they were going to go back to that town. Yeah. So he promises he's going to take out the rest of them. And he does. Because you hear the gunshots go off as they're escaping. And the very end of the movie is Arthur, Samantha, and Chicory escaping. And it's kind of, to me, it felt like a much rosier ending than I was expecting and kind of a happier ending that I wanted. But... I feel like, again, it's another testament to Kurt Russell's character because he promised that it wouldn't be for nothing. Right. And he followed through on that promise even as he was dying. Yeah. Which I guess, I mean, that works. It's It had to be that way. Otherwise, it just would have been a mean horror movie. I agree. Which I, I love, in retrospect, but good writing. You know, it did seem way too, or like, as we were watching it, it seemed too rosy, but in retrospect. it's It all comes back to it him. It worked. Yeah, I was like, oh, come on. I wanted it to be more fucked up. But oh, come on, come on all. kill them all. <laughs> Rip that bitch in two. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. Yeah, it's, that's just who his character was. Overall, I really liked this movie, but it worked a lot better for me as a Western than it did as a Agreed. horror movie. Agree. I didn't love the horror parts of it. No, I wasn't in love with that part. But the Western is a strong Western and a decent, okay-ish horror yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. It, oh, yeah. It was a good, solid movie. Especially if you like but, westerns. Yeah, for sure. If you don't like westerns and you're just looking for a horror, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, for sure. Solid solid acting. It looked great. The effects were great. Mm-hmm. Solid cinematography. Really strong character development. Just a solid movie. So, on a scale of 0 to 12 beers, what would you rate Bone Tomahawk, Greg? It's so funny because every single time we do this, I'm always realize that I forgot to rate the movie because I just don't like writing movies. 
And I'm like, oh shit. Would you like me to go first? No, no, I got it. I'm going to give it a nine. I'm going to give it a nine too. That's exactly where I'm at. I think it's a solid nine. It's a niner. Yeah, good movie. The last 30 minutes or so were okay, but I would watch it again at some point for sure. Nice. Well, what would you pair this with? I feel like this one, since it has a little extra kick at the end, you need a beer, but you also need that little extra kick. So I think that maybe during the Western portion of this movie, where you're just kind of slogging along, getting to know these characters along for the journey, I would imagine sipping on a really nice, crisp, refreshing blonde ale. But then the last 30 minutes or so, get yourself a shot of whiskey, drop it in your beer, and chug it. So I think we looked that up. It's called the Boilermaker. Yeah. Have your Boilermaker ready, on hand, and chug that shit down. Yeah. So I would, overall, I would pair this movie with a Boilermaker, a beer with a shot of whiskey in it, because damn. Because damn. (laughs) I really enjoyed this. This was a great pick. It was something that I probably wouldn't have thought of choosing this movie, and I'm glad that you did. Yeah, I had a good time. More than, more than I expected. Me so. too. All right. Well, that was my pick. What are we watching this week? I decided for our next movie, I want to get down with the occult again. So we're going to be watching what I think is probably not a very well-known movie. I really haven't seen a lot about it, but the little that I have heard about it has been very, very positive. So we are going to be watching a movie from 2016 called A Dark Song. A Dark Song. A Dark Song. Never heard of it. It sounds like it's going to be right up my alley. Well, you said a cult, so that's already on the way to Alicia Land. Yeah, it's on its way. So I'm excited to check that one out. Unfortunately, it's not streaming anywhere for free right now, but you can rent it on Amazon Prime or Vudu or pretty much any of the streaming services where you can rent movies, but definitely check it out. I've heard very good things about it. All right, cool. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to tell you too. I've been kind of keeping track of Fried Berry recently because Ryan Kruger, the director, has been just killing it in the festival circuit. And I've been wondering when we actually get to see it because I know it's mostly been making its festival rounds. So I found out that it was picked up by Shudder. And it's going to, yeah, and it's going to be launching on Shudder next month. Betcha, and I was just thinking about that. Yeah, so we've got to check that out. I'm really excited to see that one. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, excited to check it out. It's going to be awesome. Sweet. <laughs> All right, well, as you guys know, you can follow us on Instagram at Blood, Fear, and Beer Podcast. If you have questions for us, movie or beer suggestions, or if you just want to shoot the shit and say hello, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at bloodfearandbeer at gmail.com. And if you get a chance, if you can find it in your hearts, Please just take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please. Please do. It really helps us out. I always feel like it sounds so insincere when I say that, but I really mean it. I think people can glean the genuineness. I hope so. I mean it. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And please keep it spooky. Cheers. Cheers.